Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Troubling Issues, a podcast about comics, but for everyone, whether you like comics or not. Every fortnight, we read a single issue of a comic book and talk about it in somewhat ridiculous detail to entertain and hopefully inform you about it and other stuff. If you want to read along with the comic book, you can, but you don't have to to enjoy the podcast. Now, this comic we're reading, it may be good, it may be bad, or it might be a bit crazy, but it will definitely be noteworthy. I'm Brad Daniels, comic book writer, artist and fan, and this week's guest is Taylor Edwards... Comedian, improviser, and all-round creative type. How's it going, Taylor? I'm good, thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me. Uh, look, it's my pleasure as always. <laughs> um, now we're about to kick off, but before we go, I know you. I know you in a passing fashion, Taylor. Uh huh. I wouldn't say we're best friends. No. Uh, but I, I could identify you in a police lineup. Yeah. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get underway? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so if you're around Brisbane, Australia, uh, you might know me as a director of Big Pork Theatre, uh, Brisbane's uh, improv and sketch powerhouse. Um, I'm a director, performer, I write, I do a bunch of sketch comedy as well, uh, and I'm also uh, a stand-up around town. So if at some one weeknight in a dive bar, you'll probably see me slinging jokes on a stage. Um you're a yeah. joke slinger. I'm a joke slinger. That's that's me. That's me. Uh, apart from that, I also I do a podcast with a past guest of this podcast, uh, Chris Martin. Uh, we were on the Binge Minute podcast where we're watching a film minute by minute and reviewing each minute. So it's a lot of recording. <laughs> it is because there's a lot of minutes in films. There are. Um, Specifically for this one, 93. So 93 episodes coming up in season two. Okay, so I actually I actually listened to season one. I did not get on board at the start, but I did, <laughs> Look, I did it's fair. binge binge minute. Ooh, how how long did it take you to binge the binge minute? Wow, okay, that's impressive. Yeah. And there was uh I was there was lots of driving. I drove to King Arroyan back in that time and Ooh, that's like a that. good, uh, what, oh, that's at least 12 episodes per direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's like 24 minutes of movie. It seems like so much longer <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's wild. Oh, cool. So you uh, you did uh, Moon for the first season, and that was that's a, that's a film with uh, a lot of, well, it's a few twists in there, a little bit unexpected. Oh, yeah. What are you doing for the second one? Or am um, I am I killing your plugs at the God moment? God no. God no. That's, that's all good. Uh, we're doing 
a we've never seen it and just to be clear for everyone we've never seen the films we don't know what what's happening either we're just watching it minute by minute for reasons unknown um (laughs) (laughs) this film that we're doing is the 2019 horror ready or not never seen it well now i've seen five minutes of it uh (laughs) because we're five episodes down of recording uh so far i spooky looks like a horror film (laughs) right there's a lot of spookiness going on at the moment because it is October and we're heading into Halloween. Excellent. Yes, it is. Do you like Halloween, Brad? I, I like Halloween. Like, I grew up in Bundaberg and Halloween was something that you would see on TV that crazy Americans did, but it's not a thing. Mm. But uh, I, I, have, I have been known to decorate the house for Halloween. Oh, yeah? yeah. What's your go-to? Well, when I, when I was looking after a couple of lorikeets... Mm-hmm. I would get I would get a uh, a old piece of butcher's paper and get some red paint and put vampire birds on it <laughs> and say do not do not touch because they would bite you anyway. So well, a very good warning. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, everyone was terrified of the vampire birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do did the touch. job. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. And then I'd throw a skull or two around. You know, you know how it is. You gotta do a skull. That's you gotta. Right. Yeah, it's not spooky if there's no skulls. How many skulls are in uh, Ready or Not? What is it called? I have. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen one unless you're counting skulls in people's flesh. Oh in which God. case, there would be a number of skulls embedded within people. Oh my God! Alive. Everyone has a skull in them. No. No. no! You're, that means uh, 24 hours, seven days a week, Brad. You're spooky. Oh, Jesus. Well, actually, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. I'm spooky. That's cool. Ah, oh, well, thanks. You really built up my ego there. Uh, thanks for telling <laughs> us a little bit about yourself. What Now, I have another question I asked my guests before we start talking about the comic. Uh-huh. And that is, what is your relationship to comic books? So before coming on the podcast, I did warn you that I don't particularly like comic books. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and that made me very excited. It was like, ooh. <laughs> A challenge. A challenge. Uh, look, I haven't really been exposed to comics or books very much. I have friends who are very much into them. Uh, in particular, actually, the series that uh, we're discussing today. Oh. Uh, but it's just I've never really gotten into graphic novels. Um, my The most exposure I've really had would be those three-panel comics in the back of newspapers. Oh, yes. Comic um, love them. Yeah. I, the one that made me... So angry growing up was Phantom because <laughs> I didn't understand why you would tell a story in that method, <laughs> particularly his story. Because every panel was just him in the dark, and then he leaves that panel to go somewhere else. I didn't, I, I didn't understand it, and it really made me angry as a child. So <laughs> I feel like I've carried a lot of that sort of negativity with me. I appreciate them. Uh, and there's a hell of a lot of skill into creating a comic book, but it's just not for me. I also think, for me, re- sitting down to read a comic book as a visual medium, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if my brain necessarily works that way. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't read comic books and they they get frustrated because it's like it's a certain skill that you have to learn to, you know, follow the, follow the story, I suppose. Oh, definitely. I think you can definitely tell a lot, a huge amount of story within a couple panes. Oh, yeah. But then at the other end of the spectrum, you got Phantom, and uh, 
and I, I, I cannot entertain that man. Is he a man? He's I don't a, know. He's just a shadow. He's a ghost. He's a ghost he's who a ghost. walks. Man who well, cannot die. Well, he needs to go find something else to do with his time instead of standing in the cre- creepy shadows as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, sometimes he punches people. Give him a break. Oh, they they probably were like, hey, man, can you do something else? And then he just he couldn't handle it and flips out. That's my experience of fandom. Okay, well, fandom is probably one of the... I do uh, markets where I sell comic books, and I always have people coming up and asking about the Phantom. So these people need to go on a list, <laughs> a watch list or something, Brad. You need okay. to keep track because these, these they, I cannot. They can't okay. do it. Okay, I didn't know that the Phantom had traumatized you, so we won't mention the Phantom ever again. I'm so again. glad you never, you didn't ask me to read a Phantom comic because oh, I would God, have been so I, mad. I wish I had. <laughs> I wish I had now. Uh, but uh, we did not. We, in fact, uh, read a different comic, which is, uh, let me just bring this up here. Ah, it is Sandman. Yes. Master of Dreams. Issue number eight, published August 1989, written by uh, Neil Gaiman mm-hmm. and illustrated by Mike Drinsberg. Drinsberg, Drinsberg. Let's go with that one. Okay, so are uh, you ready to get into this? Yeah, let's crack on in. Okay, right. let's start with the cover. Yes. Okay, so it's a bit of an arty-looking beast, this cover. Mm-hmm. It's uh, got, if I was to describe it, it's a like a vertical uh, stripe of blue. There are a couple of, like, panels with which, what looks like uh, ivy or something. Mm. Uh, growing up the sides. So already it's like a little bit uh, uh, abstract and expressionist. Yeah. There's a, uh, well, difficult to determine, but I would say a female figure mm-hmm. uh, in who has been painted in, uh, rendered in paint, appears to have a, a, looks like a wing coming out of one side, wearing a ankh and a loose-fitting T-shirt, and... Uh, it looks like she's just sniffing her armpit or something like that. Yeah, she's getting a good sniff. This is, I would say, very typical of the late 80s goth period. There's so mm. much about it that just screams like, I'm, I'm going through my teens and this is my expression. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, I love it. I love it. Okay, well, that was going to be my next question. So what is your, so you're, you're not anti-goth. You're no, like, no. no. You love it. Were you ever a goth? No, I was never a goth. Um, I never committed to the full full black. I always mm-hmm. wanted to wear color. Um, but a lot of my friends were. Uh, I went, I didn't. No one actually went like full goth, but yeah. they were. They were. There were elements of goth for sure. Uh, okay. But no, no, no one did the. I mean, it's it. Look, to, did anyone to do the like goth, the eye make eye makeup and the. And the yeah. black fishnets and all that. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's not like the uh, peak goth where you had to slather so much of your face in white and then there's just so many layers because you just can't do it in Brisbane. It's too yeah. hot. The, the, the goths who do you do it in Brisbane all power to you. You you mustn't sweat. This is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. I will always give so many appreciations and um joy to any any goth who can pull it off in a Brisbane summer holy hell okay 
So respect. respect, respect to the golf friends out there. Uh, I've known a few of my time, and yeah, that takes that takes a level of commitment which is just far beyond what I'd like to do myself. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Okay. Oh yes, just up in the uh, top right hand corner, it mm-hmm. says it's suggested for mature readers, which is uh, they don't have ratings for comic books, but that's about as far as they go. Okay. So this is Even- for grown ups. Even the most extreme comics? There is no, like, like with um, videos and movies and, like, they have ratings. So you have yeah. your M, which is, uh, which is enforced by the government. But with comic books, there is no set rating system put in by the government. Interesting. So sometimes uh, publishers will have their own, their own system in place. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, there's nothing official. So, you know, you can have, like, you can have, uh, I don't know, a tits-out comic with explosions and death and stuff like that. And But uh, there's no formal route for censorship unless uh, the government steps in on a, like, a case-by-case basis. Interesting. Okay. You can get away with a lot in comics. The wild world of comics. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> Ah, oh, what a great movie that would be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so let's flip over to the front page and let's start on this story. Okay, so uh, now I'm going to show my ignorance, but uh, I th- I think that looks like the Arc de Triomphe on it, the first page. It does, but I thought, and I don't know if this is a spoiler alert for further on, I thought that they were living in New York. It could well be. So there is a an arch. Uh, I'm just gonna quickly Google New York Arch, see if something comes up. There definitely is a park in New York that has this big arch, and I think it's something like the Franklin Park or the Washington Square Wash- Arch. That's the one. Okay, so I have been shown to be ignorant already. <laughs> Not in Paris, in New York. At the Washington Square Arch, there are some, uh, I'm not sure what sort of birds these are supposed to be. They don't look like pigeons to me. Yeah, they're sort of like a cross between a pigeon and a vulture. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the famous pigeon vultures of New York. Yeah, Um, well, I wouldn't be surprised. New York can be pretty tough. Yeah, you got to stay tough if you want to be there. Uh, there's a there's a guy there, full golf. Uh, he's got his long, uh, skinny black jeans on. He's got a uh, and a long overcoat, and he's throwing some pieces, like large chunks of bread, to birds, mm. uh, while some kids are playing soccer in the in the background. There, uh, we get our credits: Neil Gaiman, writer; Mike Drinsberg and Malcolm Jones, the third artists. Uh, Daniel Vozoz, Vozo, Vozo. What, a great, what a great name! Colors, yeah. Todd Klein, letters, Art Young, associate editor, and Karen Berger, editor. Uh, do you know any of those names there, Taylor? I know Neil Gaiman, as okay. would anyone who thinks they're even slightly alternative knows the name Neil Gaiman. Okay, uh, <laughs> the rest, uh, <laughs> lost to the wind. <laughs> okay. 
uh, yeah, they, like Mike did a lot of work. Mike Drinberg, Dringenberg did a lot of work uh, on the Sandman series. But yeah, Neil Gaiman is the name. He's like a notable because he got his start doing comics and went on to do all sorts of stuff, uh, including writing books uh, and TV shows and all sorts of things. Yeah. So what? What's your opinion of the old Neil Gaiman? What's your experience with him? My experience with Neil Gaiman is uh, I say I should really read that book and then don't because I, <laughs> <laughs> again, I had a lot of friends who were really into and still are really into Neil Gaiman um, and Neil Gaiman's been, he pops up constantly in a variety of places in uh, the arts and television and entertainment. So I mean, there were what? There's the Amazon series, American Gods, that came out last year, which is like, I, I would assume that's his biggest book, um, aside from maybe the Sandman series. So I'm aware of, of the creature that is Neil Gaiman. I really need to sit down and actually, <laughs> actually read. Um, but the, the people who uh, I respect their opinions like him. So there you go. <laughs> okay, there you go. So you have no strong feelings about Mr. Gaiman? No, one way no. Or the other. Uh, you do, you, Neil. Go for girls. Good on him. Okay. Uh, we'll go to the second page. Wonderful. I will like say, though, that bread yes. that he's throwing, those yeah. chunks are way too big. Yeah. he's he, he is clearly, like, not to give too much away about the story, but this is not a human being uh, in his, all his goffness there. And he's clearly showing that he has no idea how to feed birds. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just throwing, like, uh, I would say... I don't know. Uh, ice cube sized chunks of of uh, of bread at them, and yeah. that's that's not their preferred method of eating bread. No, this one bird is like I'm fed for a year. This is great. <laughs> okay, uh, the second page is like the first one, bereft of any dialogue. Mm. Uh, there are fluttering birds. They look a little bit better close up. They look a little bit more like pigeons rather than some mm. sort of monster birds. One actually uh, in the second pane looks quite saucy. <laughs> Which one? The one that's got a side profile and it's got uh, eyelashes. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought the one, the head on one facing me, <laughs> like staring into my soul. Okay. Not not alluring, which is what I thought you were going for. Uh, well, I, I, well, I find birds attractive, but not in that way. No. We, we could be friends. This bird just wants your bread, Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry to sorry to break your heart. <laughs> but I thought we had something. <laughs> oh God. Um, okay. So yeah, he's like the guy. The guy is sitting there. He's leaning back, and there's a punt sound effect, which is uh, lovely in com book, comic bookie. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, this soccer ball is it's like heading towards his head in a moment of extreme peril. Uh, ready to head on to the next page? Yeah, let's turn the page. Like a, this is great. This is like the old um, like re like uh, books books uh, books and records where you'd like, I don't know. You're probably too young for this, but when I was a kid, you'd buy these record books and you'd be able to read along with the record, and it'd say, "When it's time to turn the page, we'll make this story noise." Oh, yeah. No, I recall a couple of things like that when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, we're in the, we're in the modern version of that. 
Okay, page three. Uh, the guy grabs a ball out of the air. Some would say with a supernatural talent. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's a voice saying, hey, mister, that was a killer catch. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I didn't even notice I did that. Uh, too cool. Too yeah, cool. He, he, is, he is a little bit too cool, uh, as we shall discover. Mm. Uh, the kid says, thanks. Uh, it, he kicks the ball back to him and he says, uh, you want to play a game? He says, no, I'm feeding the pigeons. So uh, he's, he's okay with that. And then a, uh, let's say a sprightly young woman is seen walking up to the man, tearing off a huge chunk of bread. That's, uh, yeah. And we said we're being introduced to the next person in this particular story. Mm. Okay. I liked in uh, on this page that I the the features of this gentleman have been ch- changed to be more deathly and pallid, and mm. almost skeletal, uh, particularly in the cheekbones compared to previous panels. Yeah, he does. He does look a little bit ominous, doesn't he? Yes, very much so. I don't know why this kid is so chill about this very oh. scary man. <laughs> he's in New York. You probably see stuff like that all the time. Well, that's true. That's where the chuds come from, you know. The who? The cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, the chuds. Oh, a, a classic reference, I would know. <laughs> 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 classic. Well, now you know. Now, now you know, I know. about the chuds. They're, <laughs> they're, they're like cannibals who live underground. Ooh, fantastic. Yeah. Can't wait. Okay, well, have you ever been to New York? Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, and you didn't see any chuds? No, I didn't go underground. Ah, well, that's it. It's probably the wise thing to do because I'll eat you. Oh, all right. Okay, so uh, next page. Uh, And like, what's great on these first few pages is there's not a lot of dialogue, but there's also a lot of white space. So, Mm. like... Given you the space to breathe, giving you the, the impression that there's a lot of time, you know, this is not uh, happening at a breakneck pace. Uh, so the, the young lady sits down, uh, let's say 1.5 meters away from the guy. Very respectful. Yeah. Very respectful. Very, very corona friendly. It was ahead of its time. It was indeed. Uh, she asks what he's doing. He says, I'm feeding the pigeons. And she has a, a cheesy grin on her face and says, when you do that too much, you know what you get. Fat pigeons. Uh, she <laughs> thinks that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. From Mary Potter. The guy does not have a reaction. No. He's like, In fact, he looks exactly the same across every panel. <laughs> okay. So have you ever, you've done stand-up, have you ever run into audiences like this? Oh, of course. 100%. Constantly. Yeah. So do you think that they are some sort of supernatural being, perhaps, or? Who, the audiences? Yeah. No. Okay. (laughs) No, they're they're immortals, scared at their own end of existence. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's why they're not laughing. At least that's why I tell myself. Is that what what is your what is your comedy like? I didn't think it was that confrontational. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not confrontational. What I've seen, it seems all like a bit goofy and funny. 
Yeah. But you're talking about existential <laughs> angst that, that is <laughs> no, destroying just, the your audience's minds. No, that's just what I chalk up to any joke that doesn't land. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, your um, boilerplate. Yeah. No, of course, uh, there's definitely crowds that uh, won't react to stuff. Or you think that they're not reacting, but they're just very quiet and they're doing a, doing the classic quiet laugh or the smile and nod. The laughing on the inside. Yeah, for sure. Okay, fantastic. Uh, okay, next page. Uh, the, the young lady is very chatty. She's a chatty little girl. That sounds so uh, condescending. She's a ch- chatty young lady. <laughs> Yes. Uh, she says she loves um, she loves uh, Mary Poppins, where she got that joke from. The guy says, I haven't seen it. Uh, she explains the plot. And she says, uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Uh, and this confuses the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she explains that it is, means things, something's good. Wonderful, gnarly, peachy keen. A young girl runs by, uh, chasing the pigeons by the look of it. Yep. And uh, she continues to talk about uh, Mary Poppins. Okay, so now at this stage of the story, Paola, mm-hmm. what, what, what was going through your mind as you were reading this? <laughs> um, I assumed that these two people knew each other. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just someone coming out of the ether to talk about Mary Poppins, mm. which, you know, I also wouldn't have been surprised. I I was sort of like, okay, not sure what's going on. They must clearly know each other. Surely we'll get some sort of explanation later. Were you were you intrigued or annoyed at this point? Was this like watching the Phantom in the, in the shadows? <laughs> well, she did come out of the shadows, so... Uh, already on shaky ground. Um, but Ian, I, I, was, I was reserving my judgment. Okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. Next page, there's a, just a silent panel and they're sitting there. Sitting there as he calmly feeds the pigeons gigantic chunks of bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, what's the matter? And he says, what do you mean? Be, uh, sort of like um, dodging the question, one would say. She says, I know something's wrong. You're sitting there moping. What's what's up? And we got, uh, you know, life is, uh, once again, lo- lots of white space in the background to say this is like, this is not a, a rapid fire exchange. It's giving it some space to breathe. And there's uh, pictures of like dogs running in the background and a group of guys. Mm. So clearly they do know each other. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anything before we go to the next page there? We're smashing it. We're smashing it. Uh, I thought it was kind of like you could definitely tell from uh, the way that it's drawn and all that, that there's definitely a lot of tension mm. uh, that's being built. She's just trying desperately to <laughs> break it. Yeah, Which yeah. We've all been in a similar conversation like this. Let's be real. Okay. Uh, I've never been in an awkward conversation. Really? Are you uh, sure? <laughs> oh, wait, no. Every old conversation I'm in is awkward. <laughs> I, I got that wrong. Sorry. I, I get that mixed up sometimes. Uh, so he says, um, okay, this is where it gets a bit weird. 
Mm-hmm. Up to this point, uh, everything is fairly normal except for the fact that an attractive young lady comes up and starts talking about Mary Poffins. Uh, I, nothing really unusual has happened. He starts talking about being imprisoned. He was captured. He wanted revenge. Uh, he freed himself, and then he went and uh, yeah, had gone the way of mortal vengeance. It took vengeance on his son. So he's talking about mortals like, hey, that's not us. Yeah. This and is a pretty clear he... indication that uh, they're not humans. Yes. And he said he needed his uh, he needed his tools back. He found them one by one. We see a robin eating a gigantic, huge piece of bread. <laughs> as he talks about getting his helmet and had to go to had to go to hell. Yep. And face down Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And then he had to get a ruby. So this is where I was I was reading this myself last night. I haven't read it for a few years. And I said, is this the point where Taylor just gives up? <laughs> no, I was like, and I feel like uh, me and this uh, woman are vibing. But during this, I was like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I've come in the conversation at the totally wrong time. Now I just got to let them wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can work out what's going on. Uh, but yeah. I assume that the, I assume that there's back catalogues that explain all of this. Yeah, this I assume. The, this is the ninth issue of the series. So what what he basically done is recount the plot of everything that's happened to him so far. Uh, and like, but it, I mean, without having read the first nine issues, it's gonna it's it's all very abstract. And like there have like there's some very intriguing and and uh, artful and horrific uh, stories that are told in the first eight issues of this series. Mm. But this one is notable for the introduction of, of course, this lovely female character here. Who, okay. Uh, I uh, yeah, everyone knows who she is, but I'm gonna try and like keep the uh, keep the tension going by not saying. Uh, so yeah, and then he talks about the ruby, how uh, he, you know, he did something terrible to this guy, got the stone back, he destroyed, uh, destroyed the ruby, which freed him. I was more powerful than I'd be in eons. So this guy is not like he's not a young lad. Nope. I returned to the human madhouse. And then, like, he talks about how he, how he, after he got stuff, he felt drained and disappointed and let down. And he's like, oh. And the, the woman is listening on, like, you know, just sitting there. Yeah, okay. She's put a rose into her hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes, I feel nothing. He said, I should mention the his word balloons are all spooky. Yeah, they've all got black backgrounds and white text, whereas hers are all white backgrounds and black text. Yeah, and he has like weird, spooky outlines of his word balloons too. So you know, he's when he says, uh, when he says something like, "I feel like nothing," it would be like, "I feel like nothing." Ooh, see, I see. This is being a novice of reading comic books. I didn't even think that. I was just like, "Oh man, he's just like so goth." <laughs> He is. Well, he certainly is. And if, if I'd known that, maybe I would have read the text more slow. 
<laughs> Instead, it was just like my own voice saying it in my head. Well, I think that's like, that's not unusual. Most people would read it that way. But they're trying to signify that he sounds spooky with all his things. Ah, I just thought it was like either an aesthetic or he was just having a bad day. (laughs) But there you go. (laughs) Thank you for educating me. Uh, No worries at all. Always happy to help. Mm. Okay. Uh, Any comments on that page before we flip over to the next one? Yeah, I I think you know this was even though you were worried about whether or not I'd pick stuff up, um, I think this is fine because I'm getting all the backstory and ultimately, spoiler alert, this backstory doesn't really matter for the rest of the comic book. That's absolutely correct. At all, yeah. it's just him having a bit of a moan, which you yeah. know, without knowing the back catalog, maybe in an entitled moan, but. <laughs> <laughs> And very impressive now to know that there's only been eight or nine issues prior to this and he's accomplished a lot of stuff. So yeah. uh, good on you. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, yeah, the, the uh, Sandman series gets off to a flying start. Mm. A lot happens early on. And then uh, once I think Neil Gaiman had gotten, because this was his first regular comic writing gig. Mm. He'd done like bit, bits and pieces and dribs and drabs. Uh, up to this point, but this is like where he was like, okay, this is like, this is going to be my thing. And I bet he wasn't aware that he would get 90 issues, which is, I think how many issues he did of this comic in the end. He probably didn't know whether he'd get a year worth out of it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To start off with, it was like a lot of stuff happened, and then it sort of like really slowed down and started getting a lot more, well, poetic. Uh, you could say, um, What's the word I'm looking for here, Taylor? Make good. Make good. <laughs> uh, that, uh, it'll come to me later on and yeah. I'll say it then. But yeah, make good will do. <laughs> uh, pretentious is the word I'm looking for. Pretentious. Oh, give it more props. Do you think he, and this is, again, devoid of any real knowledge, do you think he Dickensingtoned it where Dickens had his, what, weekly or daily uh section in the in the papers mm-hmm. and he would just write really long verbose yeah. meaningless scraps <laughs> just because <laughs> he wanted to like make more money yeah it was he had to fill up his columns yeah. uh, i don't think so i think he was okay. trying to tell a story that's but, good uh like he was given more freedom the more he went along so he didn't he didn't have to rush things uh okay next page and just a spoiler, I also do not like Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've ever read a Dickens book. Oh, man. Someone made me read um, two pages that of, from a book, maybe David Copperfield. I don't know which one. But yeah. it just described a man walking down the stairs. <laughs> so you didn't like that? No. <laughs> what have you got against stairs, Taylor? I did not like that it took two pages to describe a man going downstairs. What have you got against walking? Is that it? Is it walking you don't like? I don't know. I feel like it's just anything that draws anything out. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Oh, so uh, fittingly enough, the first line of the next page is, have you finished? (laughs) Uh, the, The young lady is like, have you finished? And he says, yes. 
<laughs> she said, you could have called me. I didn't want to worry you. He said, I didn't want to worry you. Maybe he sounds like Neil from uh, The Young Ones. Maybe. Mm. It would have been of the era. Yes, indeed. And she's like, she gets mad at him. Utterly the stupidest, most self-centered, appalling excuse for an anthropomorphic personification on this or any other plane. Uh, So that's what he is, an anthropomorphic personification. And thank Uh, you so much, mystery lady, for helping me to confirm (laughs) what I was guessing. So thank you. That was very helpful. Very helpful. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, she grabs the uh, the bread off of him and throws it at his head. Then it bounces off with a bip. Uh, so he's he was not expecting this, I would say. No, no. He was he probably was... just expecting, um, I don't know, tap, tap, pat, pat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're there. I know it's hard. It's hard being you. Hmm. Uh, but this is not forthcoming. Uh, it's a, it does look... The first time I looked at this, I thought that uh, the woman was pouring a glass of water out next to him. Yeah, I thought there was like a... It was a salt shaker. Ah. I was like... So when I first read this, I'm like, ooh, she's doing some sort of ritual. <laughs> but it, it wasn't. It was bread. <laughs> it, she's snatching the bread. There's a little snitch... Uh, snatch uh, sound effect. Uh, it's a little bit confusing, but that's what you get, you know. It's hard to express things sometimes in comic mm. form. And she starts, like, haranguing him on the next page. You don't... Uh, I don't believe this dream. You're as bad as desire, or worse. Uh, did it occur to you that I'd be worried, silly about you? And he, like, says, I didn't think... And then, uh, in an echo of the start of the comic... Mm. The ball starts heading towards a woman's head. She grabs it. These guys could make money playing soccer for a living, I reckon. Oh, for sure. They'd have to put play goalie, though, because you're not supposed to touch it with your hands. True, true. But they could do, um, I don't know, rugby. <laughs> yes, well, that would be an interesting, uh, yeah, that would be a very interesting team to play against. Uh <laughs> Uh, for reasons that will become apparent soon. Uh, okay, the kid playing ball is like, hey, ah, yes, another kill catch. Uh, and he says, just like your friend. And she's like, he's not my friend. He's my brother. Uh, and he says, I'm just feeding the birds. So can I ask, because you mentioned that this was the first introduction of this character. Yes. Had there been any hint of a sister previously, to your knowledge? Well, I haven't read those issues for a long time. Mm. And I think there was mention of his siblings, but not uh, not a lot of details given. So it's all up in the air. Okay. Okay. So when uh, someone reading this series from start to now, this would have been quite a big reveal. Oh, yes, indeed. Okay. Okay. So uh, she, the next page, she's like, we can't stay here all day. I've got work to do. And he says, uh, can I, you know, you can come along. She says, okay. Uh, and the kid comes up and says, uh, do you want to grab a soda or something like that? Which <laughs> is so sweet yeah. and naive. Yes. And she says, sure, Franklin, you'll see me again soon. And he's like, all right. 
hey, how do you know my name? And then they've disappeared in a supernatural Ooh. special effect while he wasn't looking. Ooh. Very oh. fun. Uh, what's going on there? Uh, and There's then also where a naked man in the background. Let me, let me just check that there. A naked man. Just watching them the whole time. Are you sure? Yeah. Can you see the? So there's a statue. These are the yeah, three panels the on the bottom. Yeah. Go to the left, and there's a little beige naked man. Uh, I think. Uh, well, are you sure he's naked? Or just? It looks. <laughs> the color makes it look like he's naked, and the third okay. panel in particular, it looks like he's packing. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I say that's open to interpretation, but. Uh... I don't know if that was the author's intent, but we'll go with that. So, yeah, there is a, there is a naked man <laughs> uh, checking out the situation in the background, just standing there, just standing, standing there. there in a spooky there, sort of way. Hands near his crotch. It, <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. He, he pretty wants good. to be ready for action. I, I like, too, that this, this Franklin guy is asking for a soda, whereas nowadays I feel like he'd ask for a coffee or a beer. How times yeah. change. Yes, indeed. Well, I think the whole point was he's he's clearly not of drinking age. True. In the in in the states, so that's why they like. I think they went for the closest thing, and Neil Gaiman was of a, uh, is remains of course an Englishman, so probably was unsure exactly what the pickup line du jour would be in New York, so he just took his best stab. Interesting. Interesting that he decided to go with uh, New York as a setting then, rather than, say, London. Well, yeah, it's an American comic, so they, yeah, they love having the Americans in there. <laughs> okay, next we get to see some architecture. Lovely. This is pretty yeah. good. I like this. Oh, cool. And uh, uh, lots of uh, purple prose as we, uh, as we take a little trip. Uh, he's... It's talking about like how people tend to seem to uh, ignore him and his sister as they move about, uh, like they don't want to see them. Uh, and lots of talk of people walking on graves. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and they end up in a a tenement building. An old tenement building, walking up some stairs. And there's an old fat man. I can say that because that's what I am. Uh, <laughs> playing the fiddle, uh, lying on his couch. As the two walk in, can you pat a Romany? So this, I'm sure, this would be an actual folk song that Neil Gaiman knew about because he's like a bit of a uh, an encyclopedia of. Uh, folk culture and stuff like that. Mm, I can but, see that. Yeah. But the problem, of course, whenever you have music in a comic book, is you don't, unless you know the tune, you have no idea what's what it sounds like, what they're doing. Well, I wasn't sure if, because they have put in some musical notes. I wasn't sure if they're trying to convey the pattern or anything like that, but I couldn't mm. really match, up, match it up proper. It would be weird. Can you read music? I could. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you've lost that ability I can, in a past life I could yeah but okay. it doesn't really match up with the syllables yeah, it just seems like 
generic symbols to say this is uh, this is him singing. Yeah. I think that's that's how I would interpret it. Can you pat a Romany, which I think can you speak gypsy is what they're saying there. Okay. Uh, and we have a little uh, talk with this old fellow who's an old Jew and dying lonely in New York. You know, he's coughing his lungs up. And and then the girl says, yes, I know you are, Harry. Do you know who I am? He he, he got very sad very quickly. <laughs> yes, indeed. He, like, there's a, I like it. Like, I think this is actually good. There's like a his expression after she says that he's like, it's like uh, realization and fear. Mm. I would say, and he's like, Oh no, not yet. Yeah. I know who you are. Uh, and he's like, Oh, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, and then he dies. Yeah. He speaks in Hebrew yeah. and or Yiddish. I'm not quite sure. Probably uh, Yiddish. Probably, but I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Uh, and then he, uh, he, he's he got a little thought bubble where his brain explodes. <laughs> <laughs> the little asterisk. Yeah, that's, it's like that's, a... Yeah. It's almost like a powering down symbol. <laughs> but I thought, I again, that. again, ahead of his time. He knew yes. what the... The iPhone power down somewhere looked like. Yeah, yeah, he was he was running Windows ninety five before anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so that was so that was sad. And then you see his lifeless body uh, in his apartment, which his apartment, even though it looks shabby, that's gonna that's gonna buff up quite nice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, someone would have made a lot of money out of his uh, out of his residence, his domicile, once he was gone. But you see his dead body lying on the couch, and there's there he is standing in the same panel. Yeah. Which is, like, easy to miss if you're not paying attention. And he's yeah. like, oh, you don't look so old. And he says, uh, yeah, my old man always said that I would have a place in heaven if you believe, you would have a place in heaven if you believe in heaven. So he says, so I'm dead. Now what? And the woman says in a very moody shot indeed, now's when you find out, Harry. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Maybe not appropriate in the time, but <laughs> that was very appropriate. That was entirely appropriate. So it turns out that this this woman is death, death herself, come to yeah. harvest the souls. I thought uh, it was interesting that um, the 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 person who died looks at themselves and has a little chat with death before then. Going wherever it is they go. So that was interesting. Rather than just like a, hello, (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, I mean, Death traditionally... Now, part of the the charm of this character, Death... Now, you knew that this was... When did you twig that this was Death? Because you said you had friends who were fans of this comic and so you would have known all about I know that Death is a a big motif in um, Neil Gaiman's work. Uh, and particularly Salmon series. Uh, so I sort of, once we were at this dying guy's house, I'm like, oh, maybe she's involved in this. And then, yeah, with that that whole the recurring mention of um, with a flutter of mighty wings or something. Uh, beating um, of mighty wings, yes. That's, uh, yeah. 
I am like, oh, okay, she's the angel of death. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, of course, the genius of this death character is that death is traditionally a, like a mopey, uh, pale-faced goth type in yeah. a long coat. Uh, but that that role is taken by uh, Dream in this comic. So we have a, a death who is the, well, pretty much the exact office, opposite. A, a vivacious, uh, happy. Yeah. Uh, like, not at all grim uh, young woman. Yeah. This, I think, is, is good. Because, and not to... Not to jump too far ahead, mm. but the people's reactions when talking to death—they're uh, not—they're not scared. They're almost like, "Oh, this, oh, all right, <laughs> okay." <laughs> oh, you got me! You got me! You got me, death. Now, oh, but oh, <laughs> <laughs> come on! No He's one like, offers to play. On. No one even offers to play a game of chess to try and get out of it. No, but no I think fun. it. It offers like an, a nicer viewing of, which I think accords better with a lot of worldviews about how, like, the importance of death and it being like something for everyone. Sorry, can you hear that? Yeah, I can. Oh, great. I'll wait. Is, that a, is that a plane? It's just a helicopter. I live next to many hospitals. Are, are you sure it's not the wings of death itself? Well, she's really upgraded her wings, if that's the, <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> Good Mostly, stuff. You know the the idea about what death is. Some a lot of cultures do have like death is like this negative um, skeletal or um, this this thing that's out to get you. But then a lot of them are like, well, it's acceptance. It comes for us all, mm. and um, it's not necessarily a bad thing for mm. some cultures. It's about a progression to a, a newer plane, a newer existence. So you know, yeah, it's good that people aren't freaking out. Yeah. Shows up. I mean, in a Terry Pratchett book, because once you leave your body, all your glands are left behind, so you're like <laughs> unnaturally calm because you've got no adrenaline going through your body. <laughs> That's fun. Again, another author that a lot of my friends liked, and I was like, I should read that one day. <laughs> yeah, I reckon you should. You should. Yeah, I, I agree with should. your friends. Yeah, look, my friends have got good taste. Let's okay. Be cool. Uh, okay. Uh, Death lets on that when he was captured, they weren't after him. They were after her. And he says, I know. And they go on to uh, something like a slice of a slice of life, a stand-up comic. Now, when this pain came up, I went, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? I know what Brad's game is. Yeah. <laughs> he knows that he's stand-up and therefore he's, he's specifically chosen... A comic book involving a stand-up person mm. at some point. Was that part of your decision-making tree? It was not, actually. Ah, oh, so this is all happenstance. I had I had forgotten that this bit, because as I said, I haven't read this comic in years, <laughs> and I reread it last <laughs> night. And I was like, oh, okay, Taylor's going to like this. This will <laughs> speak to Taylor. I felt so called out. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so there's uh, a young comedian uh, working when no one wants to, no one wants to 
hear a comedy. They would just want to drink in peace. Yeah. And her hands are sweating, a, uh, a caption says, which will become a relevant uh, very soon. Mm. And I, I 100% agree with the the caption on this pain where it talks about how afternoon is the time nobody wants comedy. I can confirm afternoon is a terrible time to do comedy because mm. no one wants it. Yeah. So in that regard, absolutely nailed it. In fact, yeah. these next pains were upsettingly close to life. Okay. <laughs> okay. So do you have some Batman material you do? <laughs> because... Oh, absolutely not. Not close to life in terms of the material. I think the material is pretty bad. Yeah, uh, but... The material is terrible. I uh, yeah no I've look I've done an afternoon gig it's bad yeah well was it as bad as this woman's uh, thing she she got she gets a few laughs mm-hmm. which I reading what she's saying seems unearned to me maybe it's in the delivery but oh. uh, yeah I think a lot of it's in this delivery and I can almost hear it in my head where it's like that uh, American comic. Uh, what are you, you got a what? Ralphie, have you talked this over with your analysts? <laughs> nice. I could definitely hear that. Okay, you can you can use this stuff now because okay. <laughs> this character's dead. She can't sue you. Oh, you, you threw away the game. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. Uh, okay. You know, she... Uh, Death is, I know, Dream is trying to say, look, you know, this could have been bad. And she says, I want to hear this. And um, there's another joke which, for me, doesn't really make sense, except for the irony of it. Because as she talks about, like, being killed by a telephone, she touches the microphone, it's live, and she is electrocuted to death while I notice at the bottom of the page the audience is cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> she's a scream. She's now a she's scream. going places. Uh, I, I'm guess I'm guessing that uh, it would have been like Neil would have been thinking. Oh yeah, the audience thinks that she's being electrocuted, pretending to be electrocuted, and that's hilarious. I don't know whether that would work as a as a bit. <laughs> what to pretend to be electrocuted? Yeah, pretend to be electrocuted to death. Uh, could you try that one out sometime? Maybe. No. I'll, I'll give it a crack. Okay, um, I Let mean, me there, know how you go. There was that comic in America who died on stage a couple of years ago. Mm. That was pretty sad. Yeah. But it definitely took the audience a little while to realise that he wasn't joking. Yeah. So that's the, that's the trap of comedy. It's yes, perfect, indeed. perfect place for killers to <laughs> come out and get you. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Is uh is it Pagiotti? I don't know. I don't know the story. The clown. Anywho, next page. Uh, the woman is quite upset that she was electrocuted. As she would be. She's looking on her smoking body, complaining that they were like the the venue was cheap, which is seems unrealistic to me for a stand up venue. Um, <laughs> Sarcasm in your voice. <laughs> Uh, maybe a little. Uh, and she says, you know, I wasn't that good, but I would have been someday. And, mm. uh, her name was Esme. That's lovely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I feel like they really did Esme dirty, though. Because, yeah. um, everyone else who passes away in this comic book 
Their their body looks pretty normal. She gets the absolutely she gets tarred pretty badly with the whole electrocution because the depiction of her now corpse is pretty sad, <laughs> pretty horrific. <laughs> there's a lot, there's big wide open eyes. There's smoke coming off her. She's got like this horrible mouth going on. Yeah, pretty horrifying in comparison to everyone else. So she got she got done a bit dirty, I think. Uh, so she she did not look her best as she passed over. No, definitely not. That's uh, it's a shame. Well, uh, I will write a letter of complaint to Mr. Gaiman for you <laughs> and let him know that he's got up his game. Yeah, uh, on man. that comic from like 30 years ago. <laughs> yes, indeed. Could you go back and rewrite that for us? Uh, uh, okay, yeah. And she says, like, people usually aren't too keen. Like, death is going, you know, people usually aren't too keen to see you, see me. And then we have a sad little bit where a baby gets put to bed. Yeah. And then uh, then Death comes over and says, and the baby says, but that was all there was. Is that all I get? And then yeah. the mummy comes back and there's a dead baby there. Which was a very full-on page. Let's be real. Yes, indeed. Well, it, the Sandman was originally pitched and I think remained pretty much for its duration as a horror comic. Oh, really? There you yes. go. So uh, it was. It became more about like myths and folklore and stuff like that. But it was always a strong, a strong undercurrent of like just horrible stuff because <laughs> that's what horror is. Horrible. Yeah. Um, and it's true. Like uh, I like. I guess it's a way of the author expressing. You know. You know. Death comes to us all. Even even the youngest of the young. That's true. You see a, a full spectrum. Although mm. the saddest part, I think, for this is, like, the mum was literally only gone for me a minute, like, a minute mm. max, because you can yeah. see her, uh, she puts the baby down, and then the two creepy figures appear in the background, and then goes off, you can see her in the hallway uh, pulling together the bottle, and yeah. within that period of time, it mm. happens. So it's very, very sad. Yeah, it is. Hmm. So no jokes to be made of that at that extent. Of course not, Brad, and don't even suggest it. Okay, I will not. <laughs> uh, then we have a little bit of a uh, a montage. Let's say a montage uh, where you know we see lots of different people: people in hospital, people who drown, uh, people who get killed in the alley. Um, and he's. And death is ruminating, no, dream is ruminating that, you know, people don't like his sister. Yeah. Basically. They, they have no problem with him. They, they gladly go to um, to sleep every night, but they're anti-dying for some reason. <laughs> for some strange reason. Um, I didn't fully get that this was a montage, I'll be real. <laughs> <laughs> I th I figured there were like two people in here, but there's actually yeah. four. Yeah. Um, I thought there was like they got better and then <laughs> got shot in an alleyway. <laughs> um, okay. But thank you for educating me. No worries at all. Always glad to be of service. Um, and the montage continues on the following page, uh, where we see a drug overdose and a, a guy dr falling off a build building. So that's probably looks like an accident because he looks like a, a worker. Yeah, it looks like he's working. Yeah, there's a murder. Uh, a woman murdered by the looks of it. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, all the time he death uh, the dream is ruminating. Uh, and he says, as I walk by her side, the darkness lift from my soul. Uh, I don't know why this makes him feel better. Would you like to speculate on that? Well, isn't there that thing it's like Shiden Fuhrer? Fuhrer? Sh- Sh- Shiden. Now, now I can't say it. Yeah. Yeah, Shiden. Sure. Sure. Shiden proud. The experience of feeling better because other people are having bad things happen, I guess. That's your <laughs> that's your uh, takeaway from that. Well, age. no, there's that. That's the sort of the joke one. I assume that he's feeling better because he sees the comfort that his sister provides in people having mm. going through the the wherever they're going process. Yeah. And who wouldn't like if you're gonna die? And let's face it. I mean, I spoiler alert. Uh, Taylor, we're going to die. What? Uh, No, no. I drank a potion. (laughs) Okay. Well, if you were to die, Mm -hmm. I I would much rather have a a vivacious young woman come and say, hey, time for you to move along, than some dreary old dude in a hood. Oh, 100%. I'd be like, are we going to the club? Because it looks like you're dressed (laughs) up for the club. Uh, And I guess we're going now. Is Sisters of Mercy playing tonight? Yeah. Is that where we're going? Is there a drink drink special on the door? Is that that what it is? Yeah. I like it. Or is it it a LARP? Are we going to be pretending to be vampires tonight? Uh, Quite possibly. Depends how heavy the eye makeup is, I guess. (laughs) Exactly right. Uh, I have lived those LARPs, so that's all I can say. You (laughs) would not pick me as a guy who would dress up to pretend to be a vampire. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't oh. dress up to be a goth, but maybe you would downscale to a vampire. So you you think goths are higher up the scale than vampires? Yeah, well, goth is full white face makeup. I mean, if we're going to the classic um, full goth, there's many goth sol- subcultures. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Uh, there's a variety of different uh, goth types. And countercultures, um, but if you're going to get your classic, I feel like you need more. You need more clothes and more face paint to yeah. do goth than you do need to be a vampire. Yeah, it's true. Vampire, you can just throw on a leather jacket and uh, I don't know, give yourself a mohawk, and there you're there. Vampire, you just need to get extremely dehydrated. Get- <laughs> Wow, that's your technique for dressing as a vampire, I guess. Well, that's how you get the pallid complexion. Okay, so why wouldn't you the just sunken use eyes? Like, and you just use the face face makeup instead I, of like. I, I I don't have face paint money. Come on, Brad. Okay, fair enough. But you can save money by not eating. I see where you're coming from. Oh boy! So they end up back where they started from, uh, at Washington Park. Mm-hmm. The kids are still playing soccer. Uh, and like Def says, look, I got to go. I got one more appointment and I got to head off. And Dream is like, yeah, thanks for, thanks for hanging out. <laughs> it's, all, it's all very nice. Yeah. And uh, Franklin, we hear, uh, called from off page. Yo, Franklin. Next page, the young kid who was like uh, playing soccer before. He's talking about how 
he was he was chatting up the bad lady. <laughs> why is she a bad lady? I, think I don't they understand mean why. Bad as in good. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he misses the catch, and then he, he runs misses. out into the traffic. Oh, bad move! Bad Gets move. Hit by a car. Womp. The ball bounces to our goffly pair. And then the guy's like, oh, I thought I was done for. And uh, Dev says, I just got to finish up here. <laughs> Hold that thought, Franklin. Uh, and she leads the guy off. He said, uh, like, it's something you better see. The, uh, Dream says, goodbye, sister, with a slight, slight smile on his face. Yeah, there's a little bit of a smile. Yeah. He goes back. The sun is setting on the park. He goes back to where he was feeding the birds before, and he grabs a a handful of yellow sand, as you would, uh, as the Sandman would do. Mm. And he throws it into the air, and he hears the pigeons flap away, and it reminds him of his sister, I imagine, and makes him feel better. Yeah, and his mood extremely escalates for this last pain. Before he could barely crack a smile, and now he's outwardly laughing into the sunset. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a nice little, and that is the end of the story. Yeah, uh, wonderful. A, a little, uh, a little character study about, uh, well, death. Uh, the breakout ca- character of 1989 in comics. Uh, so, what do you reckon? What did you think of the story overall there? Did you like it? Was it or was it like the Phantom? <laughs> it definitely wasn't the Phantom. Okay, uh, that's good. I can tell you that. I really liked it. Um, I thought it was. It's very much of its time. I mm-hmm. uh, like it. The whole way it's drawn, it just screams like late eighties uh, goth counterculture, uh, which I love. Um, it's it was it was quite good. It was a compelling story. That didn't uh, rely too much on backstory, which I was very glad coming into it. (laughs) Um, Well, that was my one worry going into it myself. Oh, yeah. The reason I chose this story is because it was incredibly popular back in the day. Ah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. uh, It was so, like, uh, they would, you know how they reprint comics in book form? Mm. And they'll collect several issues into one book. Yep. This was the story was so in demand that the, they did uh, the first two volumes of the Sandman series. Volume one, the last story in it was this comic, mm. and volume two, the first story in it was this comic. <laughs> wow, so pretty pivotal, really. Yes, indeed. It was like it was huge. So, would you say is this something you would like recommend? Being a non-comic reader yourself, would this? Do you think this is a good comic for non-comic readers to check out? Yeah, I think so. I think it really introduces uh, non-comic readers to the idea that it's not all just like slap bang, doom, uh, uh, laser stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is this is very similar to the conversation I had with Chris, who also not much of a comic reader. Yeah, uh, and he was like, I didn't realize they had like characters and stuff like that in comics. <laughs> It was like, yeah, they do. They like because they can't just have like the same fight scene over and over again. Comics have been around for, uh, well, as we know them, about eighty years now. And yeah, they have to. They have to do more than just like having people shoot each other or punch each other. 
<laughs> otherwise there would no one would read them because that story has been done. Yeah. So oh okay. So no, I, I'm I gonna... liked it. I liked it. Oh cool. That's excellent. Uh I I will ask I've got one more question. Yeah, go for it. Would you would you read more of it? Hmm. I think I probably would. Uh, however, I say with the caveat being that uh, I always say I read one book a year. It's probably been about five years since I've read my one book of the year. <laughs> so I think technically reading this comic book with you counts as my one book of the year. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I, I think I, I think I would, and um, I think it's it deals with themes in a good way. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I would. Okay. Um, if I, I reckon, if I had follow through and I read it when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I would probably have loved it sick yeah. and would have gotten more stuff. And the, yeah, I mean, this is just like a scraping the, the surface of a story because it goes for 90 more issues and there's a lot of, a lot of things that it turns into an epic an epic adventure on par with Lord of the Rings, but with a lot more contemporary stuff thrown wow. in. Wow. But there you go. Well, that's that's that comic. Uh, so it's time for final judgments. Final judgments. <laughs> um, was it, will you say this is good, or bad, or a weird comic, or a combination of those, or maybe something else? I'm not too fussy. I think it's a good comic. It's good. I wouldn't call it weird. I think maybe it would be weird for people who had only grown up with. Um, one type of comic, and I think it would be weird for people who have never read a graphic novel. But mm. I think in terms of my barometer, I don't think it was too weird, probably because it underpinned a lot of, like, I'm just guessing, but I think mm. it's probably, I can see elements of this in a lot of the things that I've enjoyed since this was released. So yeah. I don't think for 2020... For Taylor, from Taylor Edwards' point of view, it's not weird. It's just great. Okay, cool. Uh, I am going to go with uh, good weird. I'm combining those two. I think it's weird, but weird in a good way. Uh, definitely different. Definitely, uh, I mean, this is why Neil Gaiman became Neil Gaiman. Because he takes like an established idea like the personification of death and just flips it on its head and gives it a new spin. Yeah. While remaining sort of faithful to the idea, but just changing it completely, uh, which is sounds like a uh, a contradiction, but that's just what he does. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I have read the complete story of Sandman, I think, three times now, which is a lot wow. of reading. Wow. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, and uh, it goes places that you will not expect. I will say. Uh, uh, yeah, how much I was spoiler for the next 20 seconds for anyone who's listening, okay uh, you know, near the end Sandman dies Wow, that's the thing but the story doesn't end, it keeps on going mm, interesting so, yeah. Yeah, can I just clarify you're... is Dream Sandman or is Sandman someone else? Dream is Sandman, sorry okay, they're the same. okay cool My, uh, one and the same cool one and the same Okay. Uh, well, we've almost finished talking about the comic. One last thing. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn from this comic, Taylor? What did I learn? I learned. Well, I learned a lot from our discussion today. 
about comics. From this specific comic, I think I learnt more about how you can do a lot of storytelling within very few panes, as well as uh, how well it can build dramatic tension because the – or the passage of time, actually, is more than the dramatic tension Mm. because the first, I don't know, eight panes, (laughs) eight pages, are essentially just stillness. Yeah, and with very little going on, but it's it, it built a lot into the world, and I I was very impressed by that. Yeah, this is something I'm I'm gonna do a little sidebar on that. It's something that uh, Japanese comics do a lot of. Mm. They spend like pages and pages where nothing is happening. They just show the world, just to set the mood for the comic, and then and then someone has a psychic uh, attack and explodes <laughs> their brains. And, tentacles start attacking people but yeah they have lots of like build up and that's what they're all about uh okay so uh moving on we've we've done the comic we've done sandman number nine uh next up is question from the internet oh okay this is a good one from brett hansen you know brett don't you i do yeah he's a puppeteer wonderful what are your thoughts on Casper being the ghost of Richie Rich? <laughs> or was this popular myth busted in a crossover comic? And he has included a picture of Casper standing next to Richie Rich, and they are identical, except Richie Rich has hair and clothes, and Casper has neither of those things. Wow. Okay, wait. I've got so a... I'll, I'll send this to you, uh, and you can examine it yourself. <laughs> This is this is the magic of podcasting. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. Oh, they are very similar. Mm. Wow, that oh, that's creepy. Okay, so what do you reckon? <laughs> are they the same same character? Did uh, I? If I was to make a guess, looking mm. at them, okay, the distinguishing features—they're virtually identical, except Casper doesn't have any hair or any ears. Or mm. any clothes. Yes, he does have a slightly different shaped skull. Mm. But that could just be because Casper is a ghost. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Richie Rich was caught in a fire. Oh no! Which burned off his hair and his ears, and shrunk his head slightly. Are, are they? Can I ask a question? Do you know yes, this? Yes, you can. Are they in the same um, comic book group? Or... Yes, they were both published by Harvey Comics. Okay. I don't. Uh, oh well. And now, now you've asked that question. I'm going to check to see if if they've ever featured in a uh, in a comic together. Because I'm I'm torn. They yeah. look extremely similar. But my question is, maybe in the Harvey comic universe, Casper just looks like every single small child soul. (laughs) I think you might be right. And so Uh, what we think, if we might think there's only one Casper, but actually there are are hundreds of thousands of Caspers who have come and gone through time that all look the same because every within each child is exactly the same thing. Yeah. That's pretty dark, to be honest, but it was a dark question that was posed. Yeah, okay. Well, look, I've sent you another link. 
Uh-huh. And I think this will debunk the whole thing and show that I am wrong, that it is not, it is not as I claimed, a... Uh, oh! Because there is a comic series called Richie Rich and Casper where they teamed up all the time. Wow. And they look exactly the same. There was a... Uh, there was one where they have Wendy the Good Witch as well. And she looks exactly like them as well. Same facial features and everything. Could it be that it's maybe just cheaper to use the same? <laughs> I think we might the have The same cell over it. and over? I think we've cracked it. We, that like might be it. Early photocopy technology. <laughs> this is what <laughs> what's caused this. So, yeah, okay. Uh, Brett, that's the answer that... Uh, we can say categorically that Casper is not the ghost of Richie Rich, unless there's some weird time travel antics going on. No, but no, everyone looks the same in the Harvey comics. So yeah, you I think busted so. that myth. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm glad that we could get to the heart of Brett's question. Yeah. Well, you know, this is the sort of impo- important issues we deal with on this podcast. Mm. Uh, like no stone remains unturned, no Google remains unsearched for answers to these questions. Uh, I did have to really think about whether or not who Casper was from the film Casper, and tried uh, to really try and remember that Casper was not Richie Rich. Wasn't he Macaulay Culkin or something? Um, I can't remember. I think so. I'm not sure. Mm, I don't know. Maybe Richie. Oh God. Uh, look. I don't want to get caught on this question, but I know that I know that Macaulay Culkin, I think, played either Richie Rich or Casper or possibly both, which opens up a whole new can of worms. But I'm going to leave that one there. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, let's move on to the, the penultimate section of the podcast, recommendations. What would you recommend as well as, if not instead of... Uh, the Sandman issue number nine for entertainment purposes. Got anything for us there, Taylor? Um, I enjoyed a film recently. So I don't know, Chris and I consume almost the same media, so I don't know what he recommended last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I We watched a film the other day that uh, we quite liked, um, which stars that guy. Um, hold on. That gotta, guy? Hold on. i got to look it up. Uh, the Art of Self-Defense, uh, which is a, a film that came out last year. It's a dark comedy martial arts film. That, oh, wow. Um, I think That's a great on... combo. Yeah, it's good. It stars uh, Jesse Eisenberg, oh, yeah. who is not the guy that you're thinking of. He's the other guy that looks exactly the same. Uh, what? You know that guy that looks just like Jesse Eisenberg but isn't? John <laughs> Cena? What? No, no, not John Cena. <laughs> John Cena's a wrestler. What's that guy's name? The one he looks. Everyone who's listening knows what I'm saying. Jesse Eisenberg. Oh uh, yeah, like yeah. Uh, something Cena. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking of Jesse Eisenberg as in uh, Lex Luthor from uh, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Yes. Um, also. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg from the social network. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, this this film uh, is quite good. I think it was on... Michael Cena. Ne- Michael Cena, that's it. 
the spitting image of John Cena. <laughs> of course. <laughs> They're so, brothers, I think. Yeah, definitely. Why not? Uh, so, yeah, this film, The Artist Self Defense, I'm pretty sure it's up on either Stan or Netflix. Um, we watched it. Uh, it was really quite good. A lot of tension um, and a very cute dog. Oh, well, that's got to be good. Mm. I, not for the faint of heart. Oh, okay. Uh, is it a bit uh, gruesome? Um, it's just it's got a level of intensity that you don't expect from the outset. And that's all yeah. I'll say on the matter. The Art of Sales Events, go check it out. Okay, boom. Well, that's a strong recommendation. I'm going to rec- recommend a comic because that's the sort of guy I am. And I'm going to say, if you're interested in the further aden- adventures of death, you could do worse than to read Death, colon, The High Cost of Living. <laughs> which is a, uh, a spin-off Series it only ran for three comics, so it's nice and short and very attainable. Wonderful. Starring, starring Death, written by Neil Gaiman, art by Chris Bacalow and Mark Buckingham, but not the Mark Buckingham we know. Okay, very good. There's a famous comic artist called Mark Buckingham, uh, and it's sort of like a little solo adventure of Death going around uh, meeting some humans and uh, finding out their wacky adventures. Uh, I'm not going to say whether they die at the end or not, but. Uh, does does death have to have a nice time? Oh uh, yeah, I think death is, has a positive outlook on things. So okay, that's nice. That sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. So it's a fun little spin-off comic. If you like the character that we described in this comic, that's probably a good way to find out some more about it without having to read read ninety issues of <laughs> dreary old uh, Sandman, where he's always like, "Oh, why is this happening to me?" Um, so there we go. Recommendations out of the way. Time for the final section of the of the podcast. Plugs. Got anything to plug there, Taylor? Well, I kind of I kind of spent my plug earlier, but uh, if you enjoy movies and you enjoy punishing yourself by watching them minute by minute or listening to people <laughs> who do, uh, check out Binge Minute. You can find it on Podbean or any of the. I think we're on almost every streaming service by now. Um, my recommendation. But- is to watch the movie in one lot. Don't watch it in a minute at a time because uh, Chris and Taylor do that so you don't have to. It's true. We do it so you don't have to. Uh, so but you it's, Watch the it's... whole movie, then listen to the podcast, and you'll love it. <laughs> it's We have people who uh, listen and have never seen the film, and so they're experiencing it through our very uh, chaotic retellings of what happens in the film. Uh, we give predictions of what ha- what's going to happen in the next minute as well as the movie overall. Uh, we talk a little bit about what's going on in our lives uh, and the episodes are highly bingeable. Uh, and I, I, I understand that one of your old neighbours sometimes shows up and takes over takes over for you. <laughs> we did that once and then uh, Chris did not do the character he said he would do and so now there's this... <laughs> One very strange uh, episode pretty early on that people who are just checking us out the first time experience uh, where for no reason a character is involved uh, and then no more. But yeah. if you want if you want to listen to that specific minute, I'm pretty sure it's minute 12. Fair enough. But like, get that on your pod tracker. You'll love it. Okay. Thanks, no worries at all. I My plug for this week is to is for this podcast... Uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast and you liked it, 
you could go to whatever service you listen to your podcasts on and rate it and let other people know that it's good. And if you really like it, you could write a, a positive review and say, you know, Brad and his guests, Taylor included, they talk about some interesting stuff. You should listen to this. And then I'll become rich beyond my wildest imaginings. Wonderful. And if you, if I've said anything that has upset you about me not liking the Phantom, also get in the comments and tell oh. me I'm wrong. Okay. Give Brad's podcast a five-star review, but in the comments, call me out. Okay. Well, I don't think anyone could argue that the Phantom is the worst superhero. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I've no. done it now. Oh, Uh-oh. boy. All those one-star reviews are rolling in. <laughs> um, okay. Thanks. Thank you so much for, for giving up some time and being part of the podcast, Taylor. I hope you enjoyed the experience. I did. Thank you so much for sharing this wonderful comic with me. Oh, uh, warms my heart uh that's pretty much it for this episode thank you very much for listening and i hope to see you next time on troubling issues bye